Hey, turn to someone real quick and say, God is able. Ooh, you girls believe that too. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I'm blessed to be with you gals tonight. It's great to see um, so many familiar faces and quite a few new ones too, which is awesome. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Yvonne Cottage and I've been fellowshipping here at Calvary Vista for a long time, more than 20 years. And um, I'm married to my husband, Dave. Next week, it'll be 32 years that we've been married. He's kept me this long. (laughs) Um, I have three daughters and a son-in-law and two awesome grandsons that I just love. I've had three daughters, and now I have boys with grandsons, and I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, I am on staff here at Calvary Vista. I work for Denise. I'm her assistant and do admin for the women's ministry, which which I love and I'm, I'm blessed doing. And on Thursdays, I do the mom study with the moms and kids and um, just love that group of young gals, encouraging them and um, helping take care of their children. And that's why I'm not here on Monday nights. So, um, but my sweet friend, Debbie Cracciolo, um, who is not here because she's at the pastor's wife conference with the, some of our other gals, invited me to share with you ladies tonight. So I'm here, and I'm excited, and I'm terrified, so be easy, go easy on me. <laughs> um, I'm loving Ephesians, are you? I just It's been so amazing, and I have found, probably like you, that the first three chapters are packed with so many great truths and encouragements, and really so much to be grateful for. I just Are you counting your blessings and counting the gratitude as you're going through each, each chapter? God's love for us is great, and we are, are richly blessed. And I know that each teacher has come up here and said, there's so much, I can't cover it all, and so I don't want to be left out, so I'm going to say the same thing, there's so much, I can't cover it all. Um, but I know that in your discussion time, your table leaders are leading you through um, some of the other pertinent passages, and I really hope and pray that um, on your own during the week, you are really digging in, just taking the time to read through the chapter, verse by verse, stopping when you think you should stop, looking up things that you don't know about, really seeking after God's heart and seeing what he wants to say to you personally. So before we begin, let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight, and um, just thank you so much that we are your daughters. Lord, I loved that first song, that we're your daughters, and, and we desire to praise your name with our lives, Lord, and it's why we're here, to grow deeper in the grace and knowledge of you, to um, dig into your heart and how it can be um, captured and poured through our life, Lord. And so tonight I ask that you would still our hearts and our minds, that you give us understanding, that your spirit would meet us here, and God, that each woman would find um, your voice in some part of this night, either in the message or in the table talk, or maybe it's even in just a conversation, Lord, that they would know that you brought her here so you could love on her tonight. And we give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So chapter 2 ended with um, the beautiful fulfillment of God's plan that because of his great love and grace towards us through the work of Christ on the cross, 
We are now the family of God. All who believe, Jews and Gentiles alike, he has joined together, drawn us near, um, built his house, of which Jesus is the chief cornerstone. cornerstone. We are the church, and uh, his spirit now dwells in there. And in the coming chapters, we're going to kind of shift and go from the wealth of the believer to the walk of the believer. And the design is that as the church, as this family of God, our walk, or really it's just another way of saying how we live, is designed to not only impact each other within the family of Christ, but also the watching world around us. But before we go to those chapters, which will be very practical and very instructional, I believe Paul kind of takes us into his personal story in chapter 3. Remember um, on the welcome night that Debbie was um, giving us a little background and she referred to Paul's conversion when on the road to Damascus he met up with Jesus and he said, you know, Lord, who are you? But he also asked, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I believe that the Lord kind of gives us a little peek into what that looks like in Paul's life when God answered that very question. And as I read Paul's story this week, I saw three things that God had done for him personally and in turn does for us or for any believer who's willing to ask that same question of, Lord, what do you want me to do? So let's begin by reading verses 1 through 12. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promises in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all people see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So the first thing we see is that as Paul made his life available, God directed him to a purpose, a divine purpose, within his eternal plan. And after he was um, had his conversion in Acts chapter 9, he was told to wait, and he did. And um, a man came, Ananias, who was sent by God, and told Paul that his purpose was going to be to bear the name of Jesus to Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And here in verse 2, Paul tells us that he was given a dispensation of grace. Okay, so what does that mean? It just means that God gave him a special ministry. He made him a steward over this mystery, which is a word we've already been introduced to at chapter 1. And remember, I think it was Marianne who taught us that, you know, a mystery is really just a truth yet revealed. 
And we know that the mystery was um, the gift of salvation by grace for the Gentiles. But more than just to be saved, it was also to be fellow heirs, that Jews thought that Gentiles could be saved, but only by becoming a Jew. And that was not God's plan at all. All who believe in Jesus have equal inheritance. And the fullness of this plan had not yet been revealed to any generation. So it was a specific message and a given time ministered by a chosen servant. And this was Paul's given purpose, his high calling, and it became his life's work. In verse 8, um, Paul says, To me this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles. And I like the um, New Living Translation. Sometimes that just gives you a fuller picture, that translation. Paul said, Just think, though I did nothing to deserve it, and though I am the least deserving Christian there is, I was chosen for this special joy of telling the Gentiles. I was chosen to minister these truths. And we notice right away it's not an arrogant or prideful statement. He's saying, I'm, I'm less than the least. It's very humble. It's, it's a wonder. It's an awe that the Most High God, the creator of the universe, Jesus his Savior, chose him. And I love that heart of God that engages us, invites us to be part of his purposes and plans. God was very intentional with Paul. He had a specific and divine purpose. And God directed Paul into what I like to call a lane of life to walk in. So some of you, if you've been around me, you've heard me make that reference before. This is my calling. This is my lane of life that God is asking me to walk in. And God is not changed. He's the same. He still beckons us and invites us to his plans and purposes. Now we are the ones to bear the name of Jesus. What special ministry have we been given? What measure of stewardship is he asking of us? And what lane of life has he directed us to walk in? And some are called, like Paul, on a larger universal stage of ministry. I you know, think just Billy Graham and Greg Laurie. I don't know, did any of you guys catch the Harvest of Miracle last night? I started watching a little bit. I have to go back. Um, they're, they're, they're doing big crusades and big outreaches. Um, I, Debbie, our sweet little Debbie, she's traveled all over this country and to many places in the world on many, many occasions. I don't know, one year I asked her how many weekends she was gone, and it was like 42 or something like that. Like just traveling, doing what you know the Lord had called her. And she's going in February to New Zealand. And they're just going to be going from town to town, teaching, encouraging, and praying for women. Who does that sound like? That sounds like Paul doing that. It's their lane of life. But most of us are directed to a lane that's probably a little bit more closer to home, though of no lesser importance, and that's important to know. What does that look like? Well, it's probably different for all of us, and it's probably something that can change with the seasons of time and seasons of life that we're in. And most of you are just walking in them right now. Um, If you're married, marriage is a lane of life for you. You're the helpmate, the encourager, the one to stand with the man, to, to cheer him on, being a mom. And that can be biological or it might be spiritual. Many of you are amazing mentors. Um, you've taken under your wing um, someone to encourage and strengthen. And I think the Lord might have a few more in this room that he would love to stir up to, to be mentors. Um, some of you have been placed in workplace and neighborhoods to be salt and light. 
Some of you have been given specific friendships. They're not always maybe an easy friendship, but some type of friendship. And many have been given a specific ministry. I think of our, our gals in the back there in the sound team. That's on Monday night, that's their lane of life. They're here to facilitate that. It's a, it's a calling and God asked them to do it and they said yes and he gave them the ability and there they are. And I think at times when we're stirred in those things, um, we have to ask ourselves, will we say, yes, I will walk there? And will we accept it in humility, with awe and wonder, the lane that God has chosen for us? Are we contented or are we dissatisfied? Are we murmuring? Do we have our own agendas? Do we trust his choosing for our life? Do we live by Proverbs 3, 5 through 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And I know for me, this concept this week, it was kind of a treasure. I just kind of had this sitting at my computer sweet moment one day. See, I'm going to start crying now already. Um, you know, just doubting and wondering, what am I doing here, you know? And it was just the sweet voice of the Lord and, and just had been a crazy week at home. And I just, the Lord was just said, Yvonne, you know what? You are the perfect person to be Dave's wife. I have not chosen anybody else. I have chosen you. And out of all the moms in the world, I ask you to be the mom for Rachel, Megan, and Hannah. I know you are scared to death to go up there on Monday night and do this. But you know what? I've asked you to do it this week. And it was just a sweet moment. And I I sat on my computer and I cried because I think how often I kick against the lanes of life that God wants me to walk in. And I, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I, I love my life. And I think for you, fill in the blank, you know. Cindy, you are meant to be Dave's wife. Janet, you are meant to be in the workplace that you're in. Pam, you are meant to be the daughter, the mom of those beautiful daughters that you have. You are meant to be the teacher in the kindergarten classroom. So um, I think it's it's important that we believe that. Um, I know we can doubt, and I have wonder, but sometimes my wonder is like, I wonder if you know what you're doing, because this is not working out well. But often when I wonder that way, it's because I'm very self-focused, or I'm looking at somebody else, and I'm comparing And I know we can look at Paul's completed life and go, yeah, that guy, he's amazing. Look at all the things that he did. But my life, it's hard. I do not see how I can do the things that God is asking of me. I am weary and I am tired, and it's just such a battle. But we forget the progression of Paul's story. He had many, many difficulties, suffered many trials, and fought his fair share of battles. And if you need a list of what that was in his life, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 later tonight, and you will see a very extensive account of his suffering. But he knew that he knew that he knew that he was chosen for this particular thing to do. And was, it was not about his abilities. He was not on his own. And that's something that we need to remember, too. And this is the second thing that we see, is that God enabled Paul with grace and power. Look at verse 7. Paul says, I became a minister. Let me put my glasses on here. I became a minister according to the gift of 
the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Now, grace and power, these should sound familiar to you because we've talked about both already in the first two chapters of Ephesians. On the welcome night, we got that great definition of grace, the extravagant kindness of God by which he exerts his holy influence on our soul and in turn those we influence. And Christy's teaching last week um, on grace was so, so good. And if I had time, seriously, I would say, cue the video. We would watch it again right now. Just be, have it flood over us again and, and just start talking about it. But we don't. So um, if you didn't see it, I encourage you to go on the website and watch it. It was excellent. But a few points that she made, that Paul started with scales on his eyes, and ended with his eyes fixed on Jesus. He had the vision of Jesus. What about us? Are we looking to him? And she traveled some passages in the Old and New Testament, and I mean, just touching on a few um, of the benefits of grace, but also the power of grace in our lives. And she posed that question, how was Paul able to do all that he did? And she answered it, by grace. Paul experienced grace and was never the same again. It enabled him to abound, not just survive, but abound in his lane of life. And then power. And Marianne um, taught us on that when we were in Ephesians 1. The exceeding greatness of his power, mighty power, resurrection power. Like how much more power do you need than that? Power from his spirit. And here um, Paul refers to it as effective power, power to succeed. And when you look at the um, word effective in the context of this verse in the original language, um, effective speaks of a supernatural power. It was not about God, Paul's abilities. It was not about Paul's abilities. And there's a quote that I love by um, Corey Ten Boom. Do most of you know who Corey Ten Boom is? Um, she was... Um, with her family hiding Jews from the Nazis, and they were caught. And she was sent to prison, a horrible concentration camp with much trial and suffering and loss. And I'm not saying that God was the origin of the evil that sent her there, but he permitted it, and he put a calling on her life in the midst of it. Um, she faced many situations, if you read her story, um, within the confinement there, but even after she was released, um, and they just posed these questions in her life of how can I possibly do this? But Corey, too, had her eyes fixed on Jesus, and she had said, it's not my ability, but my response to his ability that counts. It's not my ability, but my response to his ability that counts. And Paul would write, from prison to the Philippians, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will be completed until the day of Jesus Christ. By his grace and his power, we are made able to walk. And then the third and final thing that we see is that God equipped Paul with a great message. I mean, Paul was charged to preach. If you read through his writings, he'll say, I was told to preach. And we know that preach just means to proclaim good news or to proclaim the good tidings. And in verse 6, we see that the first one is that we are fellow heirs of the same body. And we've talked about this already, that this was the mystery revealed, all brought near, all living in the fullness of 
of an eternal inheritance as children reconciled to God. I mean, that's good news. If you're apart from God or far from God, you're, you want to be drawn near to God. Otherwise, you're eternally separated from him. Another good news was that we are, again, in verse 6, partakers of his promises. Now, what is a promise? It can be a gift, but more likely like a pledge. And his promises are good, unfailing, remembered, kept by him, fulfilled, lasting, exceedingly great. They are precious, and that's just a few. And there are so many of the specific promises in the word of God. You have to do like a whole series on the promises of God to cover them. But I will say to you, pay attention when you're reading and when you're studying and when you see um, times that God is speaking and he's saying, I will, or I am, or I give to you, or he is, or he will be, usually following that is the, a promise of God. And I love the word partakers in, in this portion because it's, it's inclusive and it implies an action. That's something that we're to enjoy. And I thought of the phrase, um, um, the phrase walk and talk came into my mind when I was working on this, which is something that we do physically sometimes. And sometimes a girlfriend will call you up and say, hey, what are you doing? Let's go take a walk and talk and let's catch up. But I say, uh, let's make this a spiritual exercise to walk and talk the promises of God. Speak the promises of God. Pray the promises of God. Encourage each other to live out the promises and make known to the world the unfailing promises of God. There's nothing like it when you're in the midst of something, a trial or a doubt or a fear, like I was this afternoon almost all day today, like, wow, what am I doing? And then all of a sudden, my phone just started alerting. And here were these sweet little messages from friends, sisters in Christ, people who knew I was doing this. And, you know, they're just writing me a text, but when I looked really into the text, what they were telling me was the promises of God. God's going to speak. God's going to lead. God's going to be faithful. God's got something to say. And um, I have to tell you, I just, it made the enemy flee in my afternoon. I got one at this, like, perfect time, and I was just like, thank you, Lord, that your daughters know your promises and are willing to speak them into each other's life. It's a great practice to get into. Um, I was thinking, too, that sometimes when I'm talking with someone that's not a believer, uh, maybe someone in my family or whatever, I don't really realize I'm doing it, but when I'm sharing with them or they're in something and I'm trying to encourage them, I'm sharing with them the promises of God. I mean, I'm not saying, uh, this verse is a promise of God and this is what it says, but just in my conversation... I'm pouring the promises of God into their life. And I think that's another great practice is um, not just to reserve it for the body of Christ, but to keep it for the world too. And then in verse 8, he says he was to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I like all those words together. Unsearchable riches of Christ. That's like a win-win, that whole little phrase. There's no nothing wrong with that at all. And Paul expands on this in um, Colossians 1.27 when he says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And we just had that teaching um, in Colossians if you come here to Vista on, on Sundays. It's by him, in him, through him, all of him the fullness of him dwelling, living, being at home in our lives. And ladies, it's a deep well. 
It cannot be exhausted. We've been given every spiritual blessing, all things that pertain to life and godliness. As we abide in him and he in us, we walk and live the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's, it's the abundant life um, from John 15. And I read this great quote this week that I wanted to share with you. And it says, God forbid that any of us should live like paupers. God forbid that any of us should be in poverty and need and want and trouble and alarm and unsteadiness. The world today is presenting us with a unique opportunity of telling men and women about the unsearchable riches of Christ. We are being watched. We are being observed. And many in their spiritual bankruptcy are wondering whether, after all, the answer is in Christ. The world judges him by what they see in us. If we give the impression that, after all, to be a Christian does not help very much when there is a crisis, they will not listen to our message or look to him. But if they find that we are entirely different from them and able to maintain a calm and balance and peace and poise and even joy in the midst of the hurricane of life under God, that may be the means of opening their eyes and leading them to repentance and bringing them to the Lord Jesus Christ and his unsearchable riches. Okay, I love that, but I'm so challenged by that at the same time. But I just hear a little charge in there, like no more pauper living. Abide and abound. And, and if you've been around Calvary Vista Women's Ministry, you know that's our banner. That's our battle cry, to abide and abound in the Lord. And then in verse 12, Paul reminds them, In Christ Jesus our Lord, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith. And the New Living Translation says, We can now come fearlessly into God's presence, assured of his glad welcome. And it should ring a bell with you that in Hebrews, you know, that verse we all love, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Access to the living God, our Abba Father, our sweet Savior and friend, Jesus, the powerful Holy Spirit, any time, any way, any, anything we need. Um, these are powerful words. These, these are words of life for the body of Christ and the world that we live in. And, um, and here towards the end, you know, Paul, I think he's like charged up and he's saying to them, don't lose heart over me. Don't worry about my tribulations. And I would say, he says through the ages to us, don't be discouraged when it's hard. Strengthen each other with these truths and walk in them so that this dark and dying world can see Jesus. And in closing, Paul's response um, for this reason or another way of saying is for him is when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. And pick up in verse 15 or 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Um, The wealth 
it humbles him. Um, and I think it should humble us too. I mean, it's like that, what I was saying at the beginning, like as we're reading it all and we're making our notes and we're writing all these things we have in Christ, um, are you overwhelmed? Are you just like, I'm nothing. I don't deserve any of this, but look at the wealth that I have. Um, but I noticed that Paul taps into it, you know, and he goes to prayer for these saints that he loves. And I have left out teaching on this portion of the, the passage because um, I've left it for your table time if, if your leader chooses to go there. Um, because I could have done a whole teaching just on this prayer itself. And I didn't want to try to just squeeze a few things in really fast. But um, if you go there, go go deep and look at it um, for yourself and look at it as something that can be used in your life. And this was Paul's story. As he yielded his life, he was chosen for a lane to walk in. He was enabled with grace and power, and he was equipped with words of life so others could be changed and God would be glorified. And for those of us that will offer him our life, for those of us that will ask the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? It can be our story too. And so I want to end as Paul ended. All eyes on Jesus, acknowledging the one who is able, and giving him alone the glory. So let's pray. And I'm just going to pray verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for this time. Thank you for this little peek into Paul's life, even if it was maybe just for me. But Lord, I just pray that we find confidence, not in ourselves, in our own abilities, but that we are your beloved. Um, We're accepted in the beloved. We're your daughters, and you want to engage us, and you want to use our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would press in to the truth of that, that we would um, rest in knowing that you've chosen us for our lane of life, that we would look to your grace and your power to make us able, Lord, and that we would be bold, come into your presence, ask for help when we need it, come into your presence, pray for those we need know who need prayer, come into your presence, just beseech your grace on behalf of the world that doesn't know you. God, I just pray that you would take it, whatever our little life can offer, and that you would work in and through people's lives. And we just give you the rest of our night. I pray a blessing on these table discussions, that you would lead the leaders, that you would give insight, um, pull out nuggets that gals have had from the week, Lord, and just strengthen, strengthen us as the body of Christ, um, that we might shine to the dark world around us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.